welcome back to Let's Talk. My name is John and here with me today for another Top 10 Countdown video is Dennis and today we're counting down the Top 10 Horror Films of the 1990s and we got plenty to talk about so we're going to dive right into that list and Dennis, how you feeling today? What do you think of 90s horror? I'm feeling good and honestly when we started doing this, obviously if you're you know, following the channel, we did 70s and 80s, we got mm -hmm. 90s, 2000s, 10s, we're going to do 20s, we're really banging these all out. Mm -hmm. um, I thought 80s was going to really steal the show for me but... Looking back at it all, 90s was a really good decade for horror. 90s was actually a lot harder of a list to make as well. Like Honestly, the easiest list to make was the 70s. Like, oh, yeah. The 80s and 90s were the toughest for me. Very yeah. hard because, uh, you know, like, uh, we do 1 through 10. But my 11 through even 30 on, yeah. like, 80s and 90s, I love all those movies, too. Like, yeah. we, you saw our 80s video, and I said movies from my, like, like, Dennis had 10, he had Gremlins. I fucking love Gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> like, it kills me that that didn't make my list. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And it's the same thing with the 90s, too. With all these yeah. lists, like we say in all the beginning, at the beginning of all the videos, is it's not top 10 best of all time. It's personal flavor, what we like the most, what scared us the most, all that. I honestly, I feel like my six and down could change on a whim. And then there's even films, like you said, 11 through 15 to 20 to 30, where they're all so good. And it's just... The 10 that I picked just have, like, the most significant memories tied to them. Yeah. But really, it could change like that because there are a lot of great films that didn't make this cut. I agree. There was a ton. So, as you guys might know, we're doing top 10 rules. So, if we have a... We're going to go one apiece. And if we have a... You know, maybe we have a movie that overlaps. We'll punt that to the higher point of the list and we'll talk about it when we get to it. So, Dennis, number 10. My number 10 is one I absolutely guarantee did not make your list, which is... Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, you're, you're, wow, you were weren't kidding when you said I wouldn't like your number 10. I told you. Fucking shark movie. God <laughs> damn it. I knew you loved these movies, but Deep Blue Sea, really? Deep Blue Sea, man. I will tell you this. It Hello, is... Cool J and Samuel Jackson did it for you? <laughs> All right. It's a terrible movie. Okay. I will be honest. Up front, right out of the gate, it's horrible. They recognize that gun. It's impossible. Sharks do not swim backwards. They can't. It's a shark movie. There's no shark movie that'll ever come near Jaws. But this one, I just like I was young when it came out, and I loved Jaws so much, so I was, you know, all in for shark movies. And there are just so many highlights in this film. And yes, some of the highlights are because they're terrible, like when Samuel L. Jackson gets killed. He gets eaten by a, sh a shark ate me! <laughs> <laughs> it's just... The CGI is horrible. It's just, it's so bad, but it's like you always talk about when we did the 80s list, the 80s cheese. I love the 80s This cheese. is like 90s cheese. Oh, 100%. It's, it's so bad. It's so... It's probably cringy for a lot of people, but it just holds a special place in my heart because I always used to watch it and just kind of... I, I enjoyed it from, <laughs> from the beginning to the end because it's just... It's almost so bad it's good. Oh, I, I listen, I support your decision. I hate this movie, so I'm, you know, I don't have anything good to say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, you know, and the thing is, is like people who like sharks and shark movies, I get why they like all the other ones, but for me, because I don't like sharks or shark movies, I don't care to see any of these. Like, I've never seen a Sharknado movie. Uh, actually, probably would like those because they're so stupid. Yeah, so I'd probably enjoy them because I really enjoy dumb movies. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, maybe one day, but no, that did not make my list. That is fine. My number 10 is a Stephen King adaptation. It has, as we've established, you're a big Stephen King guy, and it's Misery. That is actually not on here. Have you seen it? I have. So I just rewatched this not too long ago, and okay. I forgot how good this movie is. All right. Um, the reason it's at 10 is because I don't know if it's 100% a horror film. Mm -hmm. It's definitely more of a drama film. Yeah. You know, it's really based on Stephen King's uh, basically fear fans. Like, you know, like, hey, he's a, the main character in this movie is a, a writer, like James, played by James Caan. Mm -hmm. And Kathy Bates, you know, she finds him, brings him home, won't let him leave. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And then that hobbling scene. Just <laughs> what I want to do to you so bad like you know ah, nice <laughs> nice yeah one day yeah one day and you ain't leaving <laughs> yeah when i'm suddenly on every video here you'll understand that i am not you never see his legs yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's just in a wheelchair <laughs> i mean listen this film was important enough that family guy did a spoof of it oh it's a good spoof too it is great but i agree it's really good i think that's one of the reasons and ironic because my next my number nine is kind of the same thing I don't view it as a horror movie. Yeah, so that's why I put it low. Like, yeah. Because I really, like, honestly, as far as a film goes, it's such a well-made movie. Mm -hmm. um, it's directed by Rob Reiner. So you know it's a great movie. Yeah. But yes, the horror elements, 
you know, it's much more of like a thriller. Yeah. I think. So that's why it's at 10 for me. Agreed, agreed, but a, a solid choice. Thank you. Um, which brings us actually ironically to my number nine, which is the same thing. I picked it. It's not so much a horror film. It's more thriller, which is seven. Seven didn't make my list. Uh, hold on, let me make sure it didn't make my list. No, it didn't make my list, but I fucking love Seven, so okay. go for it. It was close, but that, but for the that exact, I could only put one movie on here that I felt like was floating the line, but no, yeah. Seven is a great choice. It's my favorite David Fincher movie, so okay. talk about it. All right, <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I think it's one of those ones that's just, it's so memorable. I mean, obviously everyone knows the what's in the box thing, so like. What is in the box? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it was ice cream cake. And Damn it. <laughs> that sucks. All I, the way to the desert for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, obviously follows the plot of the serial killer who's, you know, Seven Deadly Sins and all that. And, you know, it's um, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. And, you know, I think they do really well bouncing off of each other. They do. And, great partnership. Yeah. And I just think it's, I mean, it's more like a, almost, you know, like a true crime kind of thing. And it's not so horror movie like slasher or jump scares or anything. I think it's just more eerie and ominous because it's one of those where, like, the killer is doing this and you're almost like, huh. Mm-hmm. Is he right though? I think this. Speaking of settings, I think the setting is what makes this scary. It's never ever not raining outside until yeah. they go to the desert. Yep. Um, when they find these dead bodies, oh. oh my god! Some of them, especially the fat guy, mm-hmm. like uh, like, and they have the air fresheners hanging. Like that is that's a scary scene. It gets yeah. under your skin. Yep. So that stuff. The only thing. Um, so the reason why I, I mean this is my favorite Dave Fincher. I just didn't put it on my list because I felt it was a little bit too much of a drama. But yeah. That was uh, I had to pick one. So yeah. it was misery. Like this is number eleven. Yeah. If I was doing a David Fincher list, which is on this channel somewhere. This is number one. Okay. I fucking love this movie, so I'm really glad it's on your list. All right, good. And you Finally. said I was going to be upset with this being on your list. No, well, I guess, yeah, you're right. That's So wh- wait till we get to my number six. You're going right. to be pissed. My number nine is the third film in the Evil Dead franchise, Army of Darkness. Oh, okay, didn't make my list, so let's talk about it. At the very end of Evil Dead 2, if you never saw it, uh, he gets sent to like medieval times. I can't remember the exact time, but he gets sent there with his shotgun, and basically now he's got to fight the, you know, the living dead again, but this time they're all done in like stop motion. I mean, this movie, there's a bunch of little, uh, a bunch of little ashes killing these zombies. It's, this is just a comedy movie. That's yeah. all I ever look at this movie as, but it's a horror comedy. So I had to put it on my list. That's why it's at number nine. I'll admit, I sit there watching this movie with a shit eating grin on my face. Uh, it's just fun. It's like very dumb, just like you would expect it to be, but I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. I enjoyed it too. And I think that's the thing is, with this list, you know, we we call it horror movies, but I think thriller can kind of creep in there. And horror comedy, I think, absolutely has a right to be in here. Because if they're done well, I remember when we did our 70s one, you talked about um, Young, Young Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yeah. So, and, you know, in my 80s, I had Gremlins, which is more kind of a comedy. Like, if it has horror elements, but is funny, I think it deserves a spot on this list. And yeah. that's one that I definitely agree with. It's an Evil be. Dead franchise, so I think yeah. it actually has enough. But yeah, you could just see the trajectory of the franchise. The first one's a horror movie. The, fir- the second one's like a perfect blend between horror and comedy. And then the third one, it's a comedy with some horror. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But yeah. it's just, it, it's a comedy. <laughs> yeah, they completed the evolution at that point, which yeah. makes sense. Yeah, and then they rebooted it. So yeah. you never have to even worry about that again unless <laughs> you watch the show. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, what's your number eight? My number eight uh, is Sleepy Hollow. Ah, that did not make my list, Or, but why didn't it make my list? I'm not too sure, actually, why that didn't make my list, because Sleepy Hollow is a great movie. Wow. But, uh, yeah, go for it. I'm, I'm offended by you. Um, I mean, just right out of the gate, the setting we talk about. That's my favorite part of the movie. It, I think the setting is the movie. I, yeah. Everything, the Sleepy Hollow, the village, the buildings, the fog, the, the gray... Just the overall gray tone sometimes can wash a movie out, but this fits so perfectly with the story. The, I mean, the acting obviously is fine. The story too, like, I feel like it's weird because the Headless Horseman is something everybody knows about. Mm-hmm. Yet there's been like one movie made about it. It's weird. Uh, it's funny when I think of the Headless Horseman, I always think of uh, uh, the Headless uh, hor- Cab Driver from uh, Hey Arnold. <laughs> That's always what I think. Of. I don't think of this first, but yeah. Well, it's really the setting, and the story does come a little convoluted by the end of it. How they over kind of explain what was going on. It yeah. almost was like they put too many red herrings and just to mislead you. Yeah. But the setting is so good, and it would behoove me not to bring up the fact that there is a beautiful 4K Blu-ray of this out there. there so you go. I have to bring it up. Before it drags it down for me. It's just the story and plot. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, which is ironic, because everyone knows the Headless Horseman, and I think that the story kind of tells itself. So they did overdo it a little bit. Again, the setting, absolutely beautiful. They killed it with that. 
Um, the the story was fine. I think the headless horseman himself was really cool. Actually. Oh, awesome! It, Christopher like, Walken. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, you can't go wrong with that. No. Um, again, is it really like a horror horror movie? No, I mean you're not going to be scared of it. But it's I think it's just it's one of those ones that made it because it falls in the horror genre. But it's a good film. I agree. And there's an aspect of this movie I wish they would have explored a little bit more in this movie, which is um, Johnny Depp is like basically the beginning of like a CSI guy or like yeah. a private investigator, not a private, like an FBI investigator. And everybody looks at him for like being an asshole because he's not doing the job that he's supposed to be doing. He's mm-hmm. trying to bring science to it. Yeah. And I love that arc. And it's cool to see how, you know, every time we try and just get a little bit smarter, you're going to get a lot of pushback from the people who don't want things to change. And, yeah. you know, that story still reflects itself today. And I like yeah. that they snuck that in there just a little bit, but I don't think they lived up to it for the rest of the movie. Yeah, I think this would have been a really good, like, trilogy of movies to really explore it. Or maybe even if you did one that was just the Headless Horseman killing people, then the second could have been, like, a prequel exploring who the Headless Horseman was and why. And I think if they expanded it more instead of cramming it all together and throwing everything at the wall to see what stuck, it could have been beyond how good it was. Um, and I'm kind of bummed that we never really had anyone revisit the Headless Horseman. It's weird, yeah. I, they definitely could. I mean, I think it's in the... You know, like the National Registry. Like, I think anyone can make a Headless Horseman movie. I could be wrong, so don't quote me on that. Yeah, <laughs> but that's why it's up here. Um, just because, again, like my 9 and 10 were really more self-serving. 7, Deep Blue Sea were just more stuff that I personally remember a lot and have nostalgia for. But Sleepy Hollow, I think, is where it starts to be like, this is a good movie. I get that. Yeah. That's a good one. So my number 8 is uh, a movie I don't know if you've ever seen or if it's on your list, but it's actually a real fear I have. And it's called Arachnophobia. Um, okay, so no, it's not on my list, and I've never seen it because I hate spiders and refuse. I've never seen that. Eight-legged freaks. Anything with spiders in it, I will not watch. Well, then this movie will scare the shit out of you because I, just like you, I don't like spiders either. And this movie goes right into that. And that's why it scares the hell out of me because yeah. it makes me just very uncomfortable the whole time. Stars Jeff Daniels. Uh, okay. It's a pretty good movie. It's, like a, it's not the best made movie, but I had to put it on this list because... It really does get under my skin. Like yeah. I don't like seeing spiders, and I think they did a good job of really like selling that fear. Okay. I mean, the main character has the same fear and everything, and he's got to like overcome it to like save people. But yeah, I just ah oh, my god, it's well shot. I mean, Frank Marshall directed this one, so you know it's got some good talent behind and in front of the camera. I just feel like you know, for me personally, a real fear of mine to get on screen like that. It's good. It's good enough. And they're remaking it, so... Okay, interesting. Yeah, you know, And again, I, I won't watch it, and it's pro- it's not fair, but I, I hate spider. It makes me so uncomfortable. Even Eight-Legged in- Freaks makes me uncomfortable, too, in the same way. Like, just yeah. seeing a giant... Even though it's, you know, stupid, it's a very dumb movie. Yeah. Uh, but seeing, like, those big giant spiders, it does. I feel that. Like, you yeah. feel it like you get the, like, ugh. Yep, <laughs> same thing, like, with films, you know, later, like, The Descent and stuff. When people are, like, cave diving or scuba diving and stuff like that in caves, and they get stuck... In like really tight spaces, but watching you feel that, that like claustrophobia. I feel it in like in my my chest. I just feel a weight, and it, and same thing with spiders. If I see someone, it's crazy that people do that for enjoyment. By the way, no way. I, Why? Like, that's torture to me. Yeah, that would I would rather serve life in prison than have to do that for five seconds. Like they went out of their way for that vacation. Yeah, it really upsets me. I guess we'll talk about that movie on our two thousands list. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah probably, <laughs> probably if I had to guess. <laughs> um, but good choice. I Thank mean, you. again, spiders though can't do it me neither i get that that's why i made my list um which brings me to my number seven which is one you're probably gonna hate um and you're kind of getting the theme here but it's lake placid jesus christ yeah (laughs) no lake placid did not make my list that is not a punt you can talk about it now go for it this is a nostalgia one for sure because Mm. it's literally just jaws in a lake with an alligator or yeah. crocodile, whichever it was. You really love shark and alligator and fish movies. Did you? Oh my! Did you see Crawl from a few years ago? Yeah. Did you like it? It was pretty. good. Crawl was actually pretty good. I heard Crawl was actually a well-made movie. That's why I it was. was. <laughs> yes, that's the thing. Because Crawl was more like the fear, like the aftermath of a storm and stuff, and there just happened to be alligators. This is like a super gator killing people, which is you know ridiculous. But Crawl was I recommend. Okay, you know I like to watch like just like we said with Jaws. Like I appreciate filmmaking. So yeah. even if I don't like the subject, I'll always try the movie. No, Crawl I think was a good film. Okay, so maybe yeah. I'll try Crawl. It's got a fork. Yeah. Well, Lake Placid <laughs> though was not really a great film, but again, I it's a cheese fest. Um, and I love that. I love corny horror. I love just the cheese ball. There's the sleazy character, the scientist trying to figure out, you know, what's killing people in this lake and whatever. And, you know, it's just, it's a crocodile. That's all. It's just a crocodile that's coming up and eating people. And I just can't get enough of it. There's, there's nothing redeeming about it. There's nothing good about it or great even. 
But if you like kind of, you know, creature features or animals killing people, I recommend Lake Placid. It's pretty hilarious. And then in the end, spoiler alert, they're like wondering how this crocodile got in this lake because they're not native or something like that. And there are like four baby gators that swim up to this little old lady who's feeding them. Uh, so it turns out there's just some woman who's raising these, <laughs> these animals. These fucking monsters? Yep. I haven't seen Lake Placid. Uh, I mean, if you say it's like cheesy and stupid, maybe I'll try it. But... Oh, dude, I don't know. You're Because you really yelled at me for Deep Blue Sea, so I don't know that I recommend oh. Lake Placid. But again, this is... My disappointment. This is strictly a nostalgia <laughs> one for me because I remember me and like my brother watching it over and over and over again. Okay, I, it's fair. Like so, I get that. I don't think you've seen my number seven, which is The Frighteners, even though I gave you the Blu-ray to watch. Yeah, no, I still haven't watched it no, yet. Yeah. But I have the Blu-ray, yeah. so I can watch it. Because I upgraded to the beautiful 4K, because I love The Frighteners. Directed by Peter Jackson, because right. before he did the Lord of the Rings movies, he only really did horror. Good at it, too. And The Frighteners is a horror comedy, but more... This one's leaning a little bit... Like, the comedy is light. It's not a straightforward horror comedy. The whole movie itself is a ghost story. It's a light ghost story. Okay. Uh, Michael J. Fox is in it as the lead character. And he basically... Um, he, he hunts ghosts. But it turns out that he's actually really friendly with these ghosts. And he's basically... He's just scheming people. Okay. But then somebody is actually really killing people. And he does have this talent of seeing ghosts. So... It's a mystery movie. Like, who's actually doing it? Okay. And Dee Wallace is in it, Jake Busey. So, a lot of great actors appear in this movie. And it's well-directed, well-shot. And for me, it hits that fun factor of the 90s that I just absolutely love. And it's got CGI effects in it done really, really well that hold up. Okay. Mainly because this film was made in uh, New Zealand. Okay. And Peter Jackson's own company made these effects. So they didn't have a studio do it. So he actually like oversaw the team doing it. Yeah. Just like with The Lord of the Rings, how those CGI effects hold up. Yeah. So I think The Frighteners is one of those movies from the 90s with CGI that doesn't look like shit. And that makes sense because I feel like even in The Lord of the Rings, I'm not a huge Lord of the Rings fan, but... You could, I, you could kind of see some horror elements in it with the orcs and everything. Yeah. The, the way oh, that he those loves guys horror. Look. Like, you know, that's yeah. his thing. Like, I, I could see that kind of translating over. And, it, I mean, the effects, that makes total sense. Yeah. Because he killed it in that. Made so. his own company to do the effects because, okay. like, you know, that way you don't have somebody else doing it. <laughs> yeah, that no, makes sense. It's definitely one I have to watch. It's on my list of things you've told me, too. That yeah, I that to and to. Talk to Me, which I also gave you the Blu-ray for, yeah. that you haven't watched. And I know you haven't watched it because after you see it, you're going to text me and tell me how much you love it. Because oh. everyone who I've recommended Talk to me or two has loved the movie well i'll try to watch it this weekend okay yeah you'll let me down i'm sure <laughs> so uh what's your number six my number six is one you're gonna hate and it's because i like slashers and campy horror movies and that is i know what you did last summer yeah i actually i've made it very clear here on the channel i hate this movie yeah <laughs> yep you i did. prefer a scary movie which spoofs this <laughs> uh, well listen <laughs> scary movie is great yeah all right and i i think the first one of that whole thing is the best yeah and because it, it's basically a perfect spoof um yeah. i know what you did last summer and scream yeah <laughs> but i picked this one because again it's the nostalgia value it's i remember seeing it when i was younger and i watch it i probably watch it once a year Oh, sense because wow. it's just i don't know i like i mean i even watched the tv series they made recently which is horrible by the way don't recommend it um i was gonna watch it but the original film i think i think it's good i think it's got all the corniness all of the tropes that you want it's it's got everything that you want in kind of a slasher film um i mean granted at this point in the 90s um, we were kind of getting into the territory of, like, Scream and stuff like that, where it was... Meta? Meta and making fun of horror. And this one didn't do that. This one was, like, trying to be a serious, like, 80s slasher film. I feel like this kind of falls in the line with those teen comedies of the time, like Varsity Blues and, yeah. uh... I, I don't remember the hell, you know, the She's All That. All that's kind of... All those kinds of movies that were coming yeah. out in the teen drama, and they decided to, like, add a horror element to it. Yeah. <laughs> but I still think it's a decent, scary movie. I mean, I don't recommend seeing the rest of them. There, I don't remember how many there are, but the first one's three in a show now. I could be wrong. Yeah. I, did, I know that the next year, I, I still know what you did last summer came out yeah have you seen it i have not okay i refuse i would i've seen the original in the tv series and i will stick with the original as the only one you need to see okay that's fair yeah. uh, i'm happy that this made your list you know mm -hmm. I, I i just always think of the scene and i know uh in scary movie where they hit the guy like they do in this movie yeah and the guy's like just picking up his boot and they're like oh we gotta kill him and he's like it's not necessary like, yeah. <laughs> i'm okay guys uh, don't worry no, and then they throw the thing at him and knock him out again <laughs> <laughs> so that's always what crosses my mind and my number six which 
I didn't plan on it being here. I just realized now that it's actually kind of funny. But it's the Sixth Sense. <laughs> oh, nice. No, I actually did not put this one on here because I have never seen it. Oh, wow. Really? I Is it know. because the, the twist ending was spoiled for you and it's, uh, you don't feel like you can go back? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, obviously everyone at this point, I mean, from when I was even younger and getting into horror movies, I already knew the ending. Yeah, so I guess I spoiled just, for me, too. I guess I just never... I mean, it's, it's shitty for me to not, but I just never got around to going back because it's like... Well, I kind of know already. See, the thing is, is actually, I think this movie, even after you know the twist, mm -hmm. you look for all the hints, and okay. M. Night Shyamalan did such a good job of, like, laying it out for you, like, the whole story. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a kid, basically, who, he, he sees dead people, he sees ghosts, and he doesn't know why, and he's talking to a doctor about it, because his mother, played by um, Tony Collette, great performance, by the way. This movie actually is very much a horror drama. Mm -hmm. There's a scene in this movie in a car because uh, you haven't seen it, I'm not going to tell you, and I want you to see it. Like that, actually, the first few times I watched this movie made me cry. It's such a beautiful scene, and okay. in this horror movie. And then it obviously it's a lot about grief and loss. That's really the theme of this movie. Yeah. And the very end of the movie, obviously, everybody finds out. The big spoiler is that Bruce Willis has been dead the whole time and still going to work. <laughs> spoiler alert! <Yeah>. Jesus, <laughs> he's still going to work and being a therapist. Poor guy. Yeah. I don't know where the checks were going. Yeah. But you know, for some reason, that's what he was still doing. You know, that's the big thing, and that's what people take away from this movie. But if you've never seen this movie, it is a great... Even, like, just like Dennis, even if you know the ending, it's still such a good, well-made movie and has some really sad scenes in it. So I recommend yeah. it. Yeah, it's on my list, too. I know I keep saying that, but it's just one of those things where... It's shame on me. I should have watched it already, but... It's, shame. I just kind of, like, every time I think about it, there's newer stuff I'd rather see. Yeah, I get that. Or things that you recommend, like The Frighteners and stuff, or... Man-eater, as I called it, yeah. in our other video, um, <laughs> you know, where I I want to see those first. I've never seen it. I don't know anything about yeah, it. Yeah, I get that. You know nothing about those, and you already know where this movie's heading, so you're just waiting for that to come up. Exactly. I understand that, and that's a big problem with a lot of M. Night Shyamalan movies. He, like, just forces the twist in, but I think his first two movies, this and Unbreakable, mm -hmm. he did it his best. Yeah, I. so that's the other thing, too, is, like, I got into him a little later and started watching his, I guess, newer stuff. And I don't love... Because sometimes a lot of his newer stuff, I feel like you said he forces twists. It's it's like... It's like almost people expect it, and I think he has to, like, like i got to do something to like yeah. live up to like what I am. <laughs> yeah, like the weight of the big twist ending of The Sixth Sense, because, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was like his breakout that's first. That, that's his first like major movie he ever made. Yeah, so I feel like the weight of that and having to come up with a twist ending like that... And then he did it again with his next three movies like Unbreakable has a great twist Signs has a great twist and then yeah. The Village has a bad twist and then from that point on it's like that's kind of like and then he kind of comes back around I actually thought his newest movie Knock at the Cabin is oh. his best movie since Unbreakable love that film loved yeah. it but that also, was back on track for him where it's a well made movie and yeah. like old was half good the explanation at the end was done. Yeah, so that was actually, I was going to say, old I saw recently. And the whole time, you're like, wow, this is really interesting. Yeah. Like, you know, the growth of the kids and everything they go through. And you're like waiting because you know, obviously, it's in, you know, his movie. You're like, all right, so what's the explanation? And then it comes and you're like, yeah, that's the explanation. Uh, it was just that. That's what really killed. The explanation for the movie. And again, it just feels like he forced that ending in. Like if he would have let it a little bit more ambi uh, ambiguous. Yeah. I think it could have been a better film. But I feel like, again, people expect something from him yep. and unfortunately that's how you end up with movies like old which had some great ideas in it yeah so it did. Like, uh, it's just more disappointment than bad yeah <laughs> agreed all right so that was my number six so what's your number five my number five is one that i i may get some debate that it's more a thriller or a drama but i think it's a horror because it is pretty scary and that is cape fear cape fear was one that i actually didn't put on my list but i love that movie I saw it recently, well not recently, it was probably last year was the first time I ever saw it and I've seen it a couple times since. I, just, I think it's so good. It, it's something about it is, I mean also, you know, for you wrestling fans out there, I, I really love Bray Wyatt, R.I.P. He's yeah. my favorite, like the last true favorite wrestler character of mine. And he took so much from this guy. Yeah. yeah, so like in watching it too, like it'll have a special place for me now because of what happened with Bray Wyatt and stuff, so... But even before that... His accent. Counselor! Yeah. yeah, and he's just, like, so <laughs> sure of himself that he's not going to get caught. And the way that he gets the the daughter to, like, kind of fall for him. That's and just, a fucked up scene, huh? Oh, my God. God. That's what I mean. There's so much about it. Like, yeah, it's not horror in the sense that he's jumping out and stabbing, killing, screaming. and But 
what he's doing is real. He's like grooming this little girl and like trying to. And it's to... all just to get back at Nick Nolte's character for what he did to him. Yeah. Meanwhile, so... he is still guilty. He just feels like he did a horrible job that he should be punished for it, which yeah. is crazy because he went and studied law in prison. So now he's like, no, this guy didn't do his job correctly. I could have yeah. got off. Yep. Even though I'm guilty, he just, Nick Nolte couldn't let that happen. Like, yeah. he couldn't let him get off. I love that aspect. And Robert De Niro's great. And actually, it's a remake from a 60s movie that Robert Mitchum is in. Okay. And Robert Mitchum actually is in this movie at the beginning. He's one of the guys who comes in to let him out of jail. Oh, okay. And he's got like that droopy face. Love Robert Mitchum. If you ever seen Night of the Hunter, he's amazing in it. Interesting. Uh, so, but yeah, no, I love this movie too. It didn't make my list, but no, this is one of my favorite Scorsese movies. It okay. would be like in like the 11 to 15 Scorsese range. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love it. I have one big question about this movie. It's like towards the end when they leave and he's tied up at the bottom of the car. What a fuck. How do you do that? You gotta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's I, maybe there's some sort of class in prison that taught him that because I've never seen how to do it and it don't make sense. I to love that when he gets, they get, they stop the car and he unhooks himself and that somebody sees him doing it and they just look at him like, I'm not going to bring this up because yeah. this might be bad for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, am I wrong? Doesn't he have like his belt? Yeah. Or something? I don't know how he did it. it. Yeah. It's so weird, but that I, that's what I mean. It's stuff like that that's like, it's almost like that primal fear of like someone being under the bed in a dark room or you know it, it feeds on that stuff like this guy's doing stuff that's not he's not supernatural jason coming at you because he got struck by lightning he's not freddy in your dreams this is a real guy operating around the law so that like he doesn't get caught and everyone knows what he's doing but you can't actually stop him he's that smart I mean, yeah he's like he's an idiot he's smart yeah it's almost like this to me is like a precursor to like law-abiding citizen yes i agree with that very much like operate clearly a low-abiding citizen took a lot from Cape Fear. But yeah. Cape Fear does it way better. Uh, I would love a houseboat after seeing this, too. Also, <laughs> uh, have you ever seen somebody put Pepto-Bismol in their whiskey? <laughs> no, no. And that, like, blows my mind. That's There's so many things, and that's one that uh never seen and... We'll never try. Right? Yeah, no shot. Can't do it. But yeah, that's why it's my number five. I know maybe it's not traditional horror for most people, but I just think it's... Again, it's one of those... It's a great film that has horror elements to it. Oh, I think that's a good choice. I love that choice, actually. Uh, love the movie. You know, it didn't make my top 10, but that doesn't mean I don't love that movie. Mm. And then my number five, I don't know if you've ever seen this one, but it's an Adrian Lin-directed film, and it's uh, Jacob's Ladder from 1990. I actually just saw this recent, probably like six months ago or so for the first time. Really? The original one? Yeah. Because there is a remake. That's yeah, no, bad. not the remake. No, okay. no, no. I, I always go originals first. Uh, but it's your your number five, so let's hear what's your... I, I love this movie. It's basically... Uh, this is a spoiler for the movie because I really think to understand the movie. Uh, basically what happens at the very beginning of this movie, Tim Robbins and his entire unit, Bing Rames in this unit as well, his entire unit in Vietnam, they get attacked, and we don't know what it is. And then eventually it just cuts to him basically being on a New York City subway, it's in the 1970s, he's working for the post office, and he's just lost in life. And New York City is just like this dreadful, gray-clouded place. He doesn't know what the hell is going on. He's seeing a bunch of imagery. You know, he's dealing with the loss of his son, played by Macaulay Culkin. He's shacked up with somebody he works with, and, you know, he's divorcing his wife. And everything just seems horrible. And, like, he's getting sicker, and he doesn't know why. Uh, you know, Danny Aiello plays his doctor in this movie. And he just, everything's just getting worse and worse. And the whole movie is just, feels like a nightmare. And that's because it is. It turns out that we've been in his mind the entire time as he's dying. And at the very end of the movie, you know, he finally goes into the light and he passes on. And I love this movie. Yeah, and I think that's the reason why it's so touching. Like, the story of it is so relatable. And that, you know, this here's this guy on his deathbed. And, like, you know, to me, it's symbolic of, like, him... Wondering, like, was this all worth it? You know, it like, is. He's going through, like, what they did to him in this, like, in his mind as he's, like... It's about accepting death. Yeah. So. You know, and, and, like, looking at your life and looking back and, you know, it's almost, like, twofold. Like, you look back at your life and, like, could I have made better decisions? It's almost like that message of death is a definitive part of life. Mm-hmm. So when it comes, you can try to fight it, but you're just going to be miserable if you do. Exactly. Why resist something that you can't change? Yeah. So that's the, I agree. And I, I, um, you know, the imagery of the head shaking back and forth is scary as hell. Uh, honestly, the fever with the ice bath is one that always gets me. And that one scene with that song playing and the like tail coming out from her legs. uh, (laughs) I don't know. Did you enjoy it or it wasn't for you? No, I did. I mean, it's definitely, you know, it would have probably not even, probably not have been my top 15, but it probably would make my top 20. Because again, it's one of those where, you know, I either, it's weird that I have this kind of juxtaposition of things I like. 
I either like the corny stuff or the stuff with like a good story and deep meaning. Mm. Like I, it, it can't be both. It has to have one or the other. And this to me has that meaning that like if you watch it, even if you're not a horror fan, whatever it is, there is a deeper message that you can take out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's a big reason why I don't have anything really bad to say about the film because I think the message behind it all. I mean, the execution is great, too. Like you said, there's so many vivid... There's a lot of vivid imagery that you feel as they're going through it that you're just like, oh, man. like I. You, and the New York City in the 70s look is just... Uh, that gets oh, me every yeah, time. Yeah. I'm always a big sucker for that. So that always raises it up for me. Yeah, agreed. You know? So that's why that was my number five. Um, so my number four, I have a feeling, is going to be a punt based on discussions that we've had because it is... Candy man. Yes, that is a punt. I knew it, and I think I know where it is too. Uh huh. And then my number four, which I know you just watched The Exorcist for the first time, but I told you that this movie is fantastic, and that's The Exorcist Three. I have not seen it, so yes, I understand that. And yeah. The Exorcist Three is a very much a follow up to The Exorcist. Okay. So the cop. Uh, Kligerman, who appears in that movie, which is my biggest plot hole because this movie takes place in 1990 when it came out, and The Exorcist was 1973. That that cop in that movie is very old, mm -hmm. so he's still a cop in this movie. <laughs> 17 years later, he's friends with Father Dyer, which we see in that movie, and you know the two of them are buddies now. George C. Scott plays him now, and you know basically all of a sudden these murders start happening again, and it's investigating the serial killer. Mm. It becomes more of like a cop drama almost. Okay. Uh, less, uh, but the horror elements. This has the scariest jump scare in horror history in this movie. Yeah. Hundred percent. I've never seen a jump scare be more effective. You can see it on lists than in this movie, and you won't know it's coming. It scares the shit out of you, but also it has a sense of dread. And at the very end of this movie, you know, we kind of build up. Also in this movie is um, what's his name from Child's Play? Chucky. Chucky. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, Brad Dourif. He's in this movie and he does a great job. I hate you. <laughs> he does a great job in this movie as well. Uh, yeah. I just think it feels very much like almost like an 80s hangover. It doesn't feel like very slowly paced like The Exorcist. Okay. It feels much more quicker and it's, uh, I would say it's even more enjoyable than The Exorcist. It's not as well made as the original one, but okay. I think it's a good follow-up to the story. It's directed by Will and Peter Bilotti who wrote The Exorcist book okay. and wrote the screenplay for The Exorcist, so yeah. bringing him now in to direct, you know, he told the story he wanted to tell. Uh, there's a director's cut, but I actually still prefer the theatrical cut. The studio kind of forced an exorcism in the movie. Okay. And I actually think it works. William Peter Pilati didn't like it, but personally, I think he kind of needed it. And okay. It was the right choice. So here's my question then. What happened to Exorcist 2? Oh, The Heretic. We don't talk about that movie. Okay. That so. movie, uh, it's good for one thing and one thing only. If you are just somehow an insomniac and you can't sleep, you put the heretic on, you'll be out cold in 10 minutes, and, you'll, <laughs> and then just watch 10 minutes each night, and you'll yeah. go right to sleep, and then start over when you're done. Right. You'll thank me for it! All right, so note to self, Exorcist, and then Exorcist 3. Yeah, and it's a continuation of the act. They ignore the Exorcist. And nobody involved with the Exorcist came back for Exorcist 2, except for some of the actors. Okay. But none of the creators behind it, so it feels... It's just out of place. And they ignored it, too. So okay. you can ignore it as well. All right, good to know. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah, don't go to that. Just watch the Exorcist 3. Okay. <laughs> Deal. Which will bring us to my number three. I'm curious where this is on yours, if it is. Which is... This was a tough cut. This was my number 11. You put it at number 11? I had to. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, you haven't heard the top three yet, but three of these... And I haven't heard any of these. I only heard one of these movies, too, which means one of these two movies didn't make your list, which scares me. So it didn't make my list, unfortunately. And I love it. You know that. We did a video about the It movies last yeah. year, me and Dennis here on the channel you can find somewhere. So we both love it, but you obviously love it way more than I, I do. Believe. All right, so here's the thing. Is it a made-for-TV movie? It is. Yes. 100%. So I think the remakes that we got recently show what it could have been mm -hmm. if a studio did it with an R rating and all that. However, you cannot take away from the original because given the fact that even though it is a made-for-TV movie... It's still scary. I remember being so afraid of Pennywise. And Pennywise, not anything else he was in the film. The clown. Mm-hmm. 
That's what I was afraid of. Tim Curry does such a good job, too, of scaring the hell out of you. Yeah. Like, he's the perfect evil clown because he kind of ropes you in, and then he's got those fucking teeth. Yep. You know? And, yeah. And he looks like a friendly clown. Like, you know, in the It movies, like in the more recent ones, uh, Bill Skarsgård's twist on it, like, this clown looks scary. But this yeah. one, he's wearing, like, that stupid, like, windbreaker jumpsuit almost. And yep. you're like... You know, it doesn't look scary. Yeah. Oh, but he is. Yeah, that's but the thing. But he is. <laughs> it's so different. So again, I love Bill Skarsgård's it. I think he killed it as it and as Pennywise. Mm -hmm. I think his mannerisms, the way he like has his eye twitch and he drools and stuff, great. But Tim Curry's is the opposite in that like he is supposed to be a clown that kids trust and so that he can get them and kill them. So he does a lot of silly clown shit, you yeah. know, where he's got the balloon, he's like beep beep and you know honks it. <laughs> He does it so well, and I think it's his voice, honestly. His natural voice is so in the right setting, which this was. It's scary just normally. Yeah, he does have a scary voice. Like, even in Home Alone 2, like, he's kind of a villain, but he's scarier in the sense because his natural speaking voice is just a scary voice. Yeah. I agree. Like, you know, and he also has that scary smile. Like, yep. you know, like, you got somebody you don't want to see around you. <laughs> yeah. And the one scene, too, that always stood out to me and actually scared me as a kid, because, again, this came out in 90. You know, I was born later, but I watched it when I was young is the shower scene. Shower scene is really Where scary. he comes out of the drain. Mm -hmm. And then all the thing, all the shower heads start to move in. Yeah, I remember vividly as a young kid taking showers and looking at the drain and like being afraid and trying to stay away from it. I've never seen a shower setting like that though in my life, I've gotta be honest. Uh, yeah, you know, I wonder that myself because it was also, it was a school shower. So school like- School shower and like, there's no like barriers between like, it's just shower heads. So yeah, everyone, everyone was in there and balls out. Like, yeah, they were just, everyone's hanging brain. Just like, yeah. what's up man? And then the, balloon coming out of the sink oh with the blood and popping and being blood like all that there's just so many effects he's almost like freddy in he a way is. you know he basically tricks your mind into believing things that aren't there yeah so i that's why it's my number three because it's just even though it is made for tv and some of you know i mean again the acting is whatever the giant spider at the end is pretty damn bad we don't talk about but the spider at the end i think we both agree that it's just so hard to nail the second half of the book and the very end of this book yeah. because it's just deadlights in the book it's yeah. just very hard to do that uh, to bring it to the big screen. I really think that both of them tried and they did the best they possibly could at the time. Yeah. That's always been my belief. It's just like the material itself just does not translate well to the screen. Yeah, it's also hard because the book itself is a lot more intense. Like they're really violent and over, over, overly like sexual scenes. Like mm -hmm. I remember hearing when the new it came out, how the part one ended with them all doing like the blood pack. Yeah. In the book, I think it's like they all bang her. Yeah, they all lose their virginity to her. Yeah, yeah. like it gets really, really. Which would have been weird to do in the movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that I think that's where the translation. Same thing with the big spider. Like, yeah, some of the stuff, the pages, like the words on the page, don't translate to the screen. Yeah. So they did what they could, but you could pretty much ignore the whole like you know slingshot to the belly of a spider yeah. thing. It, because the rest of the film is great, and Pennywise is scary. Yeah, and I think they did a good job with the child and adult actors, and they get John Ritter in there as well. Yeah. So it's always cool to see that. Yeah. So I, I enjoy the movie. I just The one guy with the ponytail and the fucking big glasses. That's yeah. so 1990. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's got the stutter, right? He struggles yeah. to talk. And, yeah, yeah. yeah that, well, that's his, big, that's his big thing. All right, my number three is The Silence of the Lambs. Oh, that's a punt. Oh, is it? Yep. That's the one I didn't think was going to be on your list. Yep. Which, so we already did your number three, right? Yep. So that brings us to my number two. Which is? Silence of the Lambs. Oh! <laughs> short punt. All right. Short this is punt. the one I didn't expect to be on your list, actually. No, so I'm, now I'm really confused. So, yeah, The Silence of the Lambs is a masterpiece. Uh, yeah. yeah. I can't believe you put it at number three. Um, it's, I mean, I guess maybe because, like, it's sort of not horror. Yeah. I mean, it's the one of the only horror movies to ever win Best Picture, which is crazy. Swept yeah. the Oscars, too. All well-deserved. I mean, everything from start to finish on this film is done to the highest level. The cinematography, the acting, the character development, the story. Everyone knows their role. And I know that Silence of the Lambs always, it, it's always about Hannibal. Yeah. But Buffalo Bill? Scary as hell. He, Wait, was she a great big fat person? Yeah. He's a fucking monster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, you know, puts the lotion in the basket thing. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the one where, you know, he's dancing with his thing tucked in. Little Horses is a great song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so much about it 
that is and i like scenes stick out and of course there's the ending with the night vision which everyone will point out how are their shadows if it's dark that's my least favorite scene in the movie i actually don't love the night vision scene oh really yeah i've always felt like it, it doesn't fit in the rest of the movie which is like a drama that builds up okay. you know we have a lot of different cool camera angles i love how he sets the camera so close to their face and yeah. have them talk right into it yeah and then even like when when uh Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster are talking. He's in his like uh, his cell. Yeah. Each time we cut to Jodie Foster and back to him, it's always closer. Each mm -hmm. time, so we're getting them closer together. I love yeah. that stuff. And that's the thing. It's this is one of those ones that it is. It's a film first, and then it's a movie. Yes, they yeah. clearly put all their effort into making this and a work of art, where the cameras, like the way it's shot, tells the story. The way that the characters interact tells the story. Like, everything develops perfectly. Has the best transition, one of my favorite transitions, like when Scott Glenn is telling Jodie Foster, and he's like, don't forget what he is, and then it cuts to Dr. Uh, Chills, or whatever mm -hmm. his name is, and he's like, oh, he's a monster. And yeah. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> like, perfect. <laughs> yeah, 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 and that's, and even that role, the doctor, like, it's small, Yeah. but he knew exactly what he was doing, he went yeah. all in, he was sleazy as ever, and... Yeah, he was a piece of shit in his own way. Yeah, you know? and that's the thing is... It really makes you feel for, and it's one of those ones where the villain obviously takes it. Everyone loves Hannibal. Like, without the Hannibal Lecter played by um, Anthony Hopkins, the film probably isn't as good as it is. No. Because he kills it in that role. The way he delivers his line, I think the accent is really what helps. Because if he was just like an American guy... Yeah. talking he wouldn't sound as sinister i think the way he, his accent mixed with the calm he well, relaxed the, delivery well they said that like when he does all his killings like his heart rate doesn't raise yeah like it's a, it's amazing yeah it's like this genius who was given all these gifts of understanding all these other people he can literally and jody foster brings this up to him like he can literally analyze every person find every single one of their flaws yep but he has the biggest flaw of any human being ever. He wants to eat people. Like, yep. And he can't control it. Like, that's no. what's crazy. Like, he is this smart. And I think that's something that they just don't explore. When we see serial killers, like, yeah, we've learned that serial killers do have, they're usually highly intelligent. Yeah. But this guy was a psychiatrist. Yeah, he was. And that's the crazy part is he knows everything. And he, I mean, he basically mentally undresses everyone he ever talks to where he just he, in like a matter of seconds he's like i know you i know what you fear i know what you need and like i own you now and yeah. it's true he, he breaks down jody foss that's why she like cries in her car but she stays strong in there but he's like you're just one generation removed from white trash yep. and like and like just basically breaks her down and she and he know and she knows that he nailed every fucking one of those yep yeah <laughs> and she no. went in her car and she fucking cried because yep. this guy just broke her whole life down in 30 seconds yeah <laughs> and that's the thing is like he doesn't need to be over the top and yell at you and curse at you no he plays the mental and emotional game and delivers it um to the highest level this was almost my number one it's number two only because my number one i think is it's just one of the greatest of all time which but is probably my number two probably but silence of the lambs absolutely think it's one of the greatest films not even just of the 90s but of all time mm -hmm. not even horror genre it's it, any film ever made silence of the lambs has to be in probably like the top five to me it's weird. My top three, I can alternate, honestly, between, okay. like, like, I love all three of these movies, and I, all three of them are in my, like, top 30 all-time films. Okay. Like, I, I love all of these movies. I yeah. think they're all masterpieces in their own way. Yeah. And this movie, again, like, I can, like, I watched this two weekends in a row pretty recently, because I was okay. comparing the Criterion Blu-ray, and, I mean, the Criterion Blu-ray and the Kino Lover 4K. Mm -hmm. I fucking wasn't bored. I could have put it on again. Yeah. I love them that much. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's that good. That's why it is my two, but now I'm concerned about what you're my number two is Scream, which I assume is your... Yeah, I figured that. So then that brings us to your number one, which is Scream. Which is Scream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, since it was just your number two, slight punt for my one, why don't you take the, take the lead? Ah, uh, well, this movie, as we both know, it saved the horror genre. It saved the slasher genre. Horror in the early 90s, I don't think we have too many early 90s horror movies on our list. And, if, uh, and a lot of them are basically horror dramas, honestly. Yeah. But, like, the slasher genre was dead, gone. There weren't any coming out. 1996, Wes Craven, one of the kings of the slasher genre, you know, a couple years after A New Nightmare, decided to make a meta-horror film that calls out all of its tropes and yeah. flips them on their head. And then also on top of that, it's entertaining as all hell. 
Yep. All the characters, you love the legacy characters that we still see going on with, you know, Nev Campbell, David uh, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, before her haircut was really bad. <laughs> you know, everybody, Matthew Lillard, everyone does a great job in this movie. I mean, this is what the slasher genre, this is what the horror genre needed, was somebody to actually point out all of the tropes, and it's just done so well. I agree. I think that everything in this film... It's a 10 out of 10 to me. Mm -hmm. I, every, 100%. There's no doubt. It's one of those ones where almost the fact that it calls out the tropes makes it better because, like, it knows what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, it knows what it's doing. It knows what it's making fun of. And the acting is fantastic. Wes Craven just knows what he's doing. We talked about him briefly in a few of our videos about being one of the greatest of all time, especially in horror. And he reinvents himself. And I think after New Nightmare, New Nightmare, I think I've heard you say before, was like the prequel to Scream. Yeah. It like set the stage. It did. Scream to me, it, it just, it fires on all cylinders, everything about it. I, and it even like kind of paid, or didn't kind of, it did pay homage to Psycho with the main character, every, you know, Drew Barrymore's in it for five seconds. Oh, yeah. Everyone's like, oh, she's the lead. She's the lead. Dead right away. They put her in the poster as the lead too. It's yeah. crazy. They wanted to mislead you. Very much inspired by Psycho. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is great. Yeah. Um, the tropes are just fantastic. I think that, again, like I was saying, Leaning into them, and I think that's the part that's great through all of them. How you always have the explanation of like, oh, it's the first movie, this is what happens. Oh, it's a sequel, this is what happens. Oh, this is the third in a trilogy, now the rules are different. And the way that it basically tells you everything that should happen, but doesn't ruin itself, is so impressive to me. Because I feel like it never spoils itself. No, it doesn't. And by the end of it, you were very surprised by the outcome of this movie. Uh, it's very believable, too, which is mm -hmm. awesome. I mean, they kind of get a little convoluted, like in some of the other movies, but I still believe, and I know we've talked about this numerous times, the Scream franchise is very consistent. Like, yes, this is a 10 out of 10, but even at its worst, I think it's like a 7 out of 10, this franchise. Yeah, I think this started it all, obviously, but I think you go through... I genuinely 100% stand by this opinion, there is not a bad Scream movie. No, there's not. There's None some things that you might not buy into as much, you know, but for the most part, they're always well made, mm -hmm. well intended, good effects. Uh, you know, this one, like, even this one, like, half the movie takes place at one party. Yeah. You think that could be very, that you think, you know, that could be boring. Nope, not the case. Very interesting, perfect set design here. I mean, they picked everything well. Even intertwining the Halloween score into the Scream is mm -hmm. fantastic. When I watch Halloween now, and we get to that segment, I start thinking of Scream. Yeah. And that's how you know it's a good movie. Same thing with Psycho, when like he says we all go a little mad sometimes. I don't think of Anthony Perkins. Yep. I think of Billy Loomis saying yep. it. You know, like, yep. That should just tell you the lasting impact. So I, I agree with this being your number one. I, again, I go back and forth, like if this is my number one or what is my number one, which is Candyman. I, I love this movie. Uh, came out in 1992, the year I was born, so me and the greatest horror movie ever came out at the same exact time. <laughs> it is a 10 out of 10. It takes a simple story, an urban legend story, Bloody Mary. What if you just said Candyman? Even that name could sound stupid as hell, Candyman. Somehow, Tony Todd, everybody makes this, Virginia Madison, they make this entire movie work. I love the cold feeling of Chicago. You know, that building that everyone lives in, it, it, that just run-down apartment building in, in the, you know, the heart of Chicago is just menacing, scary on its own, explaining the, you know, gentrification of things. Like, that's one thing I really love about it is the cultural uh, things that they're talking about in this movie, the deeper meaning of it. I love all those aspects in this movie. Uh, Candyman only kills one person, too. But those, yeah. two, but with the dead bodies they find, like, I mean, that image when he, they find her one friend and she's all drained of blood and she's white now. Yep. That is horrible. Horrifying. Yeah. You know, he only kills the one guy, splits him from gut to gullet, like comes through the window like that. I just, I love this movie. I watch it like twice a year. It's yeah. disgusting. It's just that good. It's entertaining too, while still having a deeper meaning to it. And that's the sign of a great horror film. I agree. That's why it was up there in my, uh, it's in the top five for me. It's at number four, like you said. Um, I just, again, it didn't make it up there because I just feel like my other three, It, Sounds, Slims, and Scream, I, I personally like more. Yeah. But it's not knocking the film itself because like we were saying about Silence of the Lambs, I think this is a great film. Yeah. I think the story behind it has great meaning. I think the actors were really good in what they were doing. They executed everything perfectly. Uh, I mean, there's obviously the scene that everyone knows with the bees. Yeah, which Tony Todd got paid a thousand dollars for each bee sting. Nice. Those are real bees because uh -huh. again, it, you know, today they'd be CGI bees, but yeah. back then, 
There's no CGI. I yeah. mean, like, it was like, there was, but they weren't making bees. <laughs> so, I mean, he must have made like $4 million because oh that was my a lot of bees. Oh, coming out of his mouth. And you can honestly kind of see it in his eyes a little bit. Like, yeah. this is hard. Because, ah, first of all, I wouldn't do that. I yeah. hate bees. Like, Tony Todd is a god for doing that because I'd be like, well, you need a new actor. Yeah. Because I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I think that he was cast perfectly as Candyman, his though. His voice. His voice is just... Because he's all... Correct me if I'm wrong. Is he not the guy in Final Destination 2? Yeah, he's death. He, yeah, he's the, the mortician, right? Yeah, he's like the face of death. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, that's his him. voice is so intimidating, but also kind of soft. So it's almost like... It almost welcomes you while also terrifying you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just... Again, I agree with you. I, I definitely understand why this is your one. It is in my top four. And like I say with all these lists, pretty much my top four or five could always change depending on the mood. But they will be these films. But it's just a matter of, you know, right now in the moment. It's like the 80s, I, was, I had a lot easier with my top three. But this one, it's I go back and forth all the time. Like yeah. With a lot of the... Like, Scream, it's very hard. I feel like Scream is the best horror film of the 90s. Just because of cultural significance, it yeah. saved the 90s. Yeah. I mean, it saved horror. Like, yeah. the, uh, if you were to put... I think that there's Halloween, Scream. I think those are like the two top horror movies ever made. Because yeah. 78's and Psycho. Like, those are like culturally significant. Like They took horror to the next level. Without yeah. Scream, we wouldn't get there to where yeah. we are now. Same thing with Halloween. We wouldn't have slashes without Halloween. So like yeah. they're culturally significant. They might not be my favorite... But what they did for horror movies, I, I, without them, same thing you were saying in the 80s with Friday the 13th, you need these movies to take us to the next level. We wouldn't get certain movies without them. And we wouldn't get half the movies in the late 90s and early 2000s without Scream. Yeah. So, but that being number one, I would say that's probably the more deserving number one. But I still think Candyman is my favorite. Yeah, and that's fine. So now before we sign off on this list... Did you see the remake of Candyman and what were your thoughts on that versus original? Well, it, it's funny because it's not a remake. It's actually a sequel. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. People always, uh, I don't know why they did that. And I fuck Scream did the same thing. I fucking hate that. <laughs> Stop <laughs> doing that. Just name it. Like, I, yes, there's two Candyman sequels, which are bad. So, I mean, I guess you could be, you could have just called the Candyman something else. Like, and then just told us that it's Candyman, the sequel to Candyman. Yeah. Because we bring back the one girl whose son, Anthony, is in this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, we bring her back. And like she's talking about him and everything, so it's the sequel to that. Okay. And it explains more of the legacy of Candyman and what Candyman represents. I actually thought it was really good. Okay. It's a, it's not as good as the original, but it's definitely a fantastic film on its own. It's like okay. a seven, eight out of ten. You know, right. It's not the most special movie, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I've only actually ever seen the original Candyman. I haven't seen any sequels or the new one. So <sighs> the two sequels are bad. Yeah. Yeah. Don't one of those. don't watch those. I watched those once in my lifetime, and it's a big quality drop okay now the remake uh, or sequel you should watch I okay like that I'll just watch Candyman then watch that because they, they, it ignores the sequels anyway perfect like a lot of these movies love to do <laughs> yeah they love doing that now yeah so anyway guys let us know your top 10 lists in the comments below and don't forget now we also have channel memberships so make sure you join those I want to thank all of my producers and directors and everything out there for helping us and supporting the channel you can as well and if you don't got the money to throw away don't you worry about that just like this just like this video subscribe to the channel Get out in those streets and tell your friends about us. And we will be seeing you around.